what's up everybody welcome to the second episode of the fantasy fellow show i am your host the fellow kgb you can follow me at twitter at the fellow kgb uh the last episode we looked at all 16 of the afc teams and kind of just did a brief overview a couple minutes a few minutes of each team what we're watching for in training camp and what to expect maybe for the season uh with today's episode we're going to look at all the nfc teams and uh we'll kind of hop right into it here <clears throat> i'm going to do a screen share here and we'll be looking at the fantasyfellowship.com <clears throat> so if you go to the fantasyfellowship.com you will see a teams tab at the top of the page and from there we got every team broken down here and we're going to start with the nfc east today in the dallas cowboys um you know, I got the coach and the offensive coordinator. Those are important on there. Um, but we're going to start with uh, quarterback Dak Prescott. And we'll bump over to fftoday.com, and we'll take a look at some stats from there. But last year, Dak Prescott was quarterback 12, averaging 21.8 points per game. And then when you look here, it looks like he had no games below double digits, which is great. He had a 10.4 to start the year. Um but you start to see some 30s in here when Amari Cooper came over. Um, I don't know if he was here for the Jacksonville game, but um, Dak Prescott will give you – he's got the built-in floor for rushing stats. He's had six touchdowns in all three of his seasons, so 18 rushing touchdowns in three years. He's going to get you almost 300 yards rushing, so he's got that built into his game. And last year he enjoyed a career high in yards, almost tying his completion percentage. And he had the most pass attempts of his career. Um, so I kind of like Dak as a late-round target. If you wanted to wait on quarterback, um, you're going to get Dak Prescott, who was a QB1 last year. They added Randall Cobb, which you see down here. Randall Cobb from Green Bay, and they got Jason Witten back for another go-around. I don't know how useful Witten will be, but just another security blanket, a guy that can help move the chains. So... Um, I'm looking at Dak Prescott as a value. I think he's being drafted <clears throat> somewhere around like quarterback 15, 16. And he's been a QB1 for the last few years. So uh, get him while you can. Uh, we'll look at running backs here. Ezekiel Elliott's a consensus top four pick this year. We don't really need to talk too much about him. I know there's some potential. They're looking into an issue that he had this offseason where he kind of bumped over a security guard or something at a festival. I'm not really sure what's going to come of that. But if we filter here by PPR, we're going to see Ezekiel Elliott was the top five back last year. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year, only six rushing, but he did lead. You can see here he led the league in rushing. Pretty good bet to do that again this year. And he saw a huge uh, increase in receiving usage. Um, <clears throat> his reception totals the first two years were 32 and 26. And then we see that skyrocket all the way to 77, which <clears throat> if you're in the top four and you get Ezekiel Elliott, you're pretty happy. He actually, <clears throat> even though <clears throat> the touchdowns were down, he enjoyed his his highest points per game uh, through three seasons so far. And you really only see the one hiccup here against, Was uh, against yeah, Washington week seven last year. But otherwise, you're locking in yourself a mighty fine. I mean, probably the best running back in the game uh, when it comes to just downhill running and, and smash mouth. Um, and then just seeing this receiving uh, floor volume have a huge uptick, I would expect another 
possibility of a 70 catch season at a Ezekiel Elliott, and you're probably going to see these touchdowns come up. Um, only nine in the last two years, but he did get nine in 10 games the year before. So he's due for some some touchdown uh, progression, and he's an easy top five pick, top four pick probably. Um, we're going to ignore fullback. I guess we'll look at the running backs they have here. They got Darius Jackson, who was on there last year. Then they drafted round four, Tony Pollard out of Memphis. Um, they also drafted another running back round seven, Mike Weber out of Ohio State. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to be watching these guys to see who's the primary backup to Zeke. <clears throat> if anything were to happen or suspension or anything like that comes down, we'll be monitoring these guys with the, the close detail. Um, <clears throat> we'll look at the receiver here, Amari Cooper. Let's pull up uh, Amari Cooper's stats. So Amari Cooper, last year he saw his best season as a pro, his fourth year. He averaged 14.6 fantasy points per game. Caught seven touchdowns, just over 1,000 yards, 75 catches. Um, when you're looking at his numbers here in his game log, you're going to see some kind of boom-busty numbers here. Um, so I'm more, I, I prefer more to draft Amari Cooper in a best ball league situation. Um, just because Dallas, Dak Prescott, has, you saw the ups and downs of Dak Prescott, and we know he's got that rushing built-in floor. So when they get into the red zone, it's primarily Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott with his legs. <clears throat> so Amari Cooper's best chance to score is at uh, a longer touchdown, a longer play. Um, but otherwise, if, if you're talking redraft here, you're looking at you know 1,000 yards, probably another 7-plus touchdowns, and that qualifies him as a lock-solid uh, wide receiver too this year with hopefully a little more consistency you've seen here in the playoffs when it was put up or shut up time. He had himself two nice really solid games. So we're looking for more comfortability with uh, the Dallas offense. I think they're looking to extend him with a nice contract. And <clears throat> I believe you can have Amari Cooper in the mid to late round three. And I would recommend uh, thinking about that. <clears throat> uh, behind Cooper, we have second-year receiver Michael Gallup. They signed Randall Cobb. They have Tavon Austin, Alan Hearns, Noah Brown. And then we got a bunch of guys here that are going to be trying to make the team. They didn't draft a wide receiver, but they brought two in, um, two undrafted guys in. Um, but we're really not uh, concerned with them for fantasy yet this year. But we'll be watching uh, Michael Gallup to see if he can take a, the second step forward. He's going to be on the field a lot as the the other outside receiver. And Randall Cobb and probably Mark Cooper are going to be mixed all around in the slot with sprinkles of Tavon and Alan Hearns. But uh, Randall Cobb's a real interesting guy. You can get him super cheap. Um, it's basically free, especially in best ball leagues. But if you look what he did here in Green Bay, he only really had two good games last year. But uh, Randall Cobb's just, he's a talented player, and he just needs to stay healthy. He's 28. He turns 29 in August. So he's entering the last, uh, I, mean, I guess he's in his prime, but he's uh, the window is closing. And we've seen consistency from him before. And you could argue that Randall Cobb is an upgrade over Cole Beasley, and Beasley's been on our fantasy teams as our wide receiver three flex before. So <clears throat> I'm keeping an eye on Randall Cobb to see how he looks this preseason. But uh, so far, it sounds like he's off to a really good uh, start with chemistry for from Dak Prescott. Um, tight ends, I'm not really sure how excited I am to draft 
any of these tight ends, I think Jason Witten's going to be, he's not going to get a full workload um, that he has been accustomed to, especially taking a year off. They're probably going to mix in Blake Jarwin here, uh, which I like for dynasty purposes, but um, both, I think both these guys are going to be on the field a lot. And you're not really going to know which one's going to be consistent, but uh, we'll monitor that in training camp and we'll see who is, uh, I guess, sticking out. Um, so we're kind of excited about Dallas's offense. They're going to have, uh, what's his name, Travis Frederick back on the offensive line. So that might help Zeke out. That's going to help Dak out. Um, so this is really a three-headed attack with Dak, Zeke, and Amari Cooper. So you should target all those guys at ADP for sure. Um, and that'll wrap up the Dallas Cowboys. We'll look at the New York Giants. Coached by Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, OC. Um, yeah, how do we go from here with Eli Manning and Daniel Jones? Um, well, let's take a look at Eli Manning. Offensive line was not pretty last year. It did improve uh, with the Odell Beckham trade. Uh, let's take a look at Eli. So Eli averaged 19.2 fantasy points per game last year, over 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks, even rushed for a touchdown. I'm just looking at the game log. It's not terrible. Um, only two games, or every game was above double digits, and two games, you know, at 11, but there's a 12 there. But there's really no upside here. His best game of the season was 24.7, or I guess a 25.5 here. So his ceiling is about 24, 25 points, and his floor is about 12. So you're in that range somewhere. But he's basically going undrafted. I don't know if you're going to want to bet on him, especially without Odell Beckham being in the mix this year. Um, but if we just look here at what the quarterbacks did last year, Eli was QB 17. I mean, in two QB super flex leagues, you're going to have to think about mm -hmm. snagging Eli at some point. But, um, I mean, it's just not a really sexy pick, especially with them drafting Daniel Jones so high. And if things go sour quickly, they might be calling for the new – number six overall draft pick in Daniel Jones. And I don't really have a lot to say on Daniel Jones, but I'm open to him proving people wrong and not really being someone we can trust at the, the meantime for now. But um, with a, a young running back like Saquon Barkley and some young promising receivers, you got Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Um, they're going to need to draft some, some receivers to put around him in the future. But uh, there's potential for him to, to, you know, be a serviceable QB in the future. So we'll watch for the training camp rumblings and really excited to see how Daniel Jones looks in preseason. Um, but we'll move on here to running back. Saquon Barkley, top, I mean, if not one, two, rarely see him, rarely see him go to three. But um, let's take a look at Barkley's numbers from last year. So in PPR, Saquon Barkley, running back one. 1,300 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, 91 catches for 721 yards, and four touchdowns. So that's 15, that's 15 touchdowns and 2,000 all-purpose yards. Very impressive. Um, super talented player. I don't know if he's going to be able to put up another 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, but he's got the PPR floor that you like. You take him number one if you like him that much. Um, but really, any of the top four backs are in play at number one with Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, Zeke. It's kind of like a, you know, pick your preference. But Saquon's locked in there. I might be worried about 
uh, teams loading the box now that Odell Beckham is gone. They're going to probably prefer Eli Manning to have to beat them than Saquon Barkley. But Saquon's still going to be used in the passing game, so I'm expecting rushing numbers to come down. But I won't. I don't think I'd be scared about seeing a, a reduced passing role game. That's always going to be one of his uh, staples of his game. So uh, Saquon Barkley, top four pick. Behind him, we got Wayne Gallman, Elijah Penny, Paul Perkins, Rod Smith, and then they picked up undrafted free agent John Hilleman out of Rutgers. Um, I don't really think Wayne Gallman has a big lead on any of these guys back here, so we're going to watch and keep an eye on who's uh, declared the number two running back in case anything were to happen. Um, we're looking at receivers here. Odell's gone. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, who they, they signed in the offseason. They do have Corey Coleman, Benny, Fowl, Benny Fowler, Cody Latimer, uh, Alonzo Russell, Britton Golden, and then they got some super interesting uh, rookie receivers on their team here. They drafted Darius Slayton out of Auburn round five, who has been running with the ones uh, at mandatory minicamp and OTAs. They also have undrafted Reggie White Jr. out of Monmouth, who, have, who also saw time with the ones. So outside of Shepard and Golden Tate, who are going to be the primary pass catchers you know, at receiver, I'm watching these this Darius Slayton and Reggie White Jr. here to see if they can uh, dethrone like Corey Coleman, Fowler, Latimer, Latimer to see. I don't know. There might be something there for dynasty purposes, especially if these guys are practicing with Daniel Jones and just building a connection. So we'll keep an eye on these uh, these young receivers here. Uh, Evan Ingram here, not really uh, competition behind him at tight end. Red Ellison's there, Garrett Dickerson. Um, they also picked up a free agent tight end out of Kentucky, CJ Conrad. Um, Evan Ingram's an interesting guy because with Odell Beckham gone, you're expecting to see a bump in stats with him. If we look last year, uh, he didn't play a full season. 45 catches, 577 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, basically what he was his, his rookie year, um, fantasy points-wise per game. And then you see here he he had a couple bad games to start the year, but eventually picked up after he returned from injury. So that's good to see. And Ingram is somewhere going in like the sixth and seventh round. Um, I'm not really too fond of tying myself down to a piece of the Giants offense. I mean, Saquon Barkley's the exception for me. Um, at that point in the draft, I think I'd rather pivot and look for a Vance McDonald or trying to think of anybody else here that pops off but yeah with Evan Ingram there's going to be inconsistencies in the game he's going to get more volume but um, especially if Daniel Jones comes in at some point during the season I just I don't know if we're going to want to be a part of this Giants offense outside of Saquon so <clears throat> we're keeping an eye on all the battles here basically at quarterback running back and receiver and uh, that'll wrap up the New York Giants let's take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles who had themselves a pretty offensive-heavy draft, um, starting with Carson Wentz, who just got paid. Nice big contract. Uh, Nick Foles is gone, so we'll see who here uh, steps up and becomes the quarterback, too. It's probably Nate Sudfeld. But let's take a look at Carson Wentz's numbers um, in his limited time last year. Uh, he finished as QB 23, but really, if you... If you look and see, he only played 11 games. He averaged 22.5 points per game. That probably would have put him 
near the top of the, the QB1s. It probably would have been. Based on points per game, he was QB13. So based on last year, he was a fringe fringe RB, or QB1. Uh, let's take a look at some of his numbers. Um, really solid numbers here. Only one really bad hiccup here against uh, New Orleans. But it looks like you know he'll have a bad game every now and then, 15 or 17 points. But otherwise, you're sitting in mid uh, mid 20s. Um, and then if you look even the year before that, he has the opportunity to get you some 30 point games. So the upside is there with Carson Wentz, and he's kind of at a discount this year. You can get him probably after the eighth, ninth round. Um, and I guess with Carson Wentz here, you have to look at who he's you know who his weapons are. Um, so the offseason additions were they traded for Jordan Howard, they signed Deshaun Jackson, um, they drafted, uh, well, I guess we'll start here with the offensive tackle, Andre Dillard. They moved up in front of the Texans and scooped up the best pass blocking uh, tackle in the draft. They drafted Miles Sanders out of Penn State, uh, round two. They drafted another weapon, uh, wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, round two. And then uh, Clayton Thorson here, rookie quarterback. I gotta put the QB in there, but so, anyways, very offensive heavy draft, um, helping the line, helping the the running back room, helping the receivers out. Um, so I'm I'm actually really excited about what the Eagles' offense can do. Um, you're gonna see Jordan Howard uh, take over the lead back roles, and we're gonna see Miles Sanders get sprinkled in there. I know he's had a <clears throat> Sanders has had a tweaked hamstring throughout OTAs. So he's working on that. I think he should be ready for training camp, but we have to keep an eye on that for him. So if you're drafting dynasty drafts and stuff, you have to consider that. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are undervaluing Jordan Howard <clears throat> and how good of a player he is. Um, I don't know if uh, the rookie's just going to come in right in and just steal a job. Howard's a very capable rusher and a better pass catcher than I think people give him credit for. <clears throat> um, he's been... So he's been able to catch the ball, and he's actually a really sound uh, blocker. But last year was his first year not rushing for 1,000 yards. So we see his yards per carry go down in the last three years. We see his stats go down. But I'm wondering if that had more to do with teams keying in on, keying in on him in Chicago with knowing that they're going to run the ball when he's in there and not really being creative with Jordan Howard. So I'm open to... Uh, Doug Peterson being a little more creative with Jordan Howard. Um, and Howard's, you know, he's an eighth, ninth round pick, and you can get him as your RB3 or 4. And especially to start the season, if Miles Sanders is dealing with a hamstring right now, they might allow Jordan Howard to, you know, start the year off and be not necessarily a bell cow, but a 15 to 20 touch guy, and who can definitely be a low end RB2 for us. Um, outside of Howard and Sanders, we're looking at Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Danelle Humphrey, Josh Adams, and Boston Scott. This is a really, really good, deep uh, group of running backs here. Um, I don't know if Darren Sproles is playing this year, but I would assume Boston Scott or Corey Clement would be the receiving role for these guys. So, but overall, Doug Peterson has been, he's been known to use a platoon of running backs um, so we're, we're going to have to really keep an eye on this in training camp to see who's doing what and <clears throat> before we project uh, who's going to be used in what role. Um, so I like Jordan Howard, you know, the eighth, ninth round. He's a potential 
player that could get you off to a hot start if Miles Sanders is still dealing with his, his hamstring. Um, so with that, we'll look at receivers here. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And then after that, we're looking at uh, Shelton Gibson, Braxton Miller, Mac Hollins, uh, Charles Johnson's there. They did sign out of Penn State wide receiver DeAndre DeAndre Tompkins as an undrafted guy. So um, outside of Jeffrey, Deshaun, Aguilar, and JJ, I'm assuming Mac Hollins is going to make the team. But after that, we'll keep an eye on who's going to be their sixth wide receiver. <clears throat> Alshon Jeffrey is an interesting investment for fantasy this year. Um, with the addition of Deshaun Jackson, that's going to allow um, – or it's going to make teams think about keeping a safety deep so they don't get beat over the top, um, allowing Alshon Jeffrey maybe to have more success with uh, one-on-ones. Um, I think Alshon's a free agent next year, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, I'm a big fan of Deshaun Jackson in best ball leagues because, I mean, I know it was last year with Tampa Bay, it's on a different team, totally different team. But uh, from a best ball standpoint, Deshaun Jackson can get you, you know, six to seven, maybe even eight, eight games of over double digit points, and he's probably going to pop off some of these twenty and thirty point games. And so far, out of Eagles camp, it's been Deshaun Jackson and Carson Wentz. It's been a love affair, I guess you could say. Um, those two have been finding each other. Uh, all training camp and OTAs. So uh, super good bomb there. Deshaun's back in Philly. There's good vibes with this. So uh, I'm interested in Deshaun Jackson. Um, and then we'll keep an eye on Aguilar and JJ, but really the, the wide receiver one here is their tight end, Zach Ertz. Off of a tight end career high, 156 targets, 116 catches, uh, almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. So super excited about Zach Ertz. He had a career year last year, a record-breaking year last year. Uh, Zach Ertz is going as early as late round two, sometimes slides into the you know early third to mid-third, <clears throat> and he can be your tight end one, no question. But we do have to wonder about uh, rookie, I guess second-year tight end Dallas Goddard, who was drafted in the second round last year. Uh, the Eagles have been listing and cont continuously saying Goddard's this, he's the second starting tight end. So we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets here. We're going to see Ertz and, and Goddard used in different formations on, at the same time. And I'm actually, especially when a player comes off of a, a, such a record-breaking year, we almost have to factor in <clears throat> some regression somewhere. So, um, I mean, if you look at Goddard's numbers, he had 44 targets, 33 catches, and 334 yards and four touchdowns. So some of that, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure all those numbers are going to go up a tad, and uh, some of Ertz's numbers are going to come down a little bit. Um, for where you're drafting Ertz, I don't think you're worried about him not being a top-five tight end, but you just have to realize that he just set a bunch of records as a tight end, and those are likely going to come down. So, And then there's just a lot more mouths to feed, so I don't know if they're going to be just relying on Ertz as heavy as they did last year. Um Jeffrey's healthy for the full season. You know, Deshaun Jackson gives them the deep threat that they haven't had. 
Um, they were supposed to use Mike Wallace last year, but that didn't work out. So um, I'm not super into drafting Zach Ertz. At, at basically, you're drafting him at his ceiling right now. Um, might be more inclined to wait and with the round two or round three pick. I think I'd rather take some of the running backs receivers going on. And I kind of really like ta- uh, targeting Dallas Goddard late. Because if anything were to happen to Ertz, we're probably going to be ranking Goddard in our top five rankings from for each week. And I just think, uh, especially when the when the ball gets to the red zone, they're going to be using Goddard um, exclusively. So I'm uh, super excited about the Eagles offense, tons of weapons. I think the best advice might be just to target Carson Wentz and just enjoy how the Eagles go about uh, spreading out this, this offensive wealth that they have. Um, so we'll move on here and look at the Washington Redskins. We'll kind of make this one quick. I don't, I don't think I'm going to recommend any really any running backs or receivers or tight ends here for Washington. Um, we have a quarterback battle here, Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, and Dwayne Haskins. I really don't know which one has the leg up right now, but it'll be super interesting, interesting to watch um, <clears throat> how training camp goes and see how Dwayne looks in uh, preseason games. But I mean, we just, we, we can't, we can't draft a, a Redskins quarterback at this moment right now um, without really knowing who's going to be the starter to start the year. But even if it is McCoy or Keenum, you would assume that we're going to see Haskins at some point this year. So we'll see how that develops. But uh, running backs, Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, Samaje Pirine, Chris Thompson, uh, Craig Reynolds, and then drafted Bryce Love round four out of Stanford. Um, pretty deep running back field here. Uh, I would assume Adrian Peterson gets the uh, the nod here at starting running back to start the year. Uh, Darius Geis tore his ACL last year. They're probably going to ease him up, ease him in, and eventually... Uh, amp up his workload as the season goes on, I would assume. Uh, but Adrian Peterson last year, super interesting. Uh, what did he do? He ran for 1,000 yards last year. 1,042 yards, 4.2 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. Um, quietly just bounced back and had himself a pretty nice season. Um, in terms of best ball leagues, I don't mind taking him because he's probably going to have a handful of those, you know, 15 plus 20 point games. Um, but the threat of Darius Geis potentially coming in there and getting more work as the season goes on, I really, I really don't think I can uh, give advice to draft any of these Washington running backs at the moment. Uh, we'll skip fullback. Receiver here is a huge cluster. We got Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson. They drafted Terry McLaurin, they drafted Kelvin Harmon. They have Brian Quick, Trey Quinn. Uh, and then after that, we got a bunch of guys here trying to make the roster. Um, the drafted receivers, McLaurin and Harmon, we'll have to keep an eye, our eyes on them to see how they are uh, doing this year in training camps. Uh, these guys might be the future uh, starting wide receivers with Dwayne Haskins, so we got to uh, keep an eye on for any uh, connection or who has the early track to be the favorite. Uh, Josh Doxson. Uh, Josh Doxson was a former first-round pick. Not really sure if if he's falling out of favor in Washington, but I don't know how much time he has left to prove that he deserves another contract with them. Um, Doxson's a he's above the rim kind of red zone bully. Um, 
hasn't had much success in the NFL, but he's had spurts. So uh, even though he's listed as the wide receiver one, I don't know if he really is their best receiver on the team. Paul Richardson is the deep threat. Um, if I had to guess any of these guys here that would, I guess, lead the Redskins in receiving this year, I'm going to take none of them. I'm going to say keep an eye on Trey Quinn out of Washington. Um, we'll take a look at Trey Quinn here. He's listed as the third on this depth chart here. Um, he only played in a couple games last year. But with Jamison Crowder out of town, uh, Trey Quinn's going to step into the starting slot role. Um, so I don't know too much about the Redskins receiver depth chart at the moment, but um, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that and see what's going to happen uh, for this season and the season going forward. <clears throat> um, for tight ends, Jordan Reed is there, Vernon Davis, Jeremy Sprinkle, and then some backups here. Um, if Jordan Reed is healthy, it wouldn't surprise me if he is actually the leading receiver here. Uh, if we take a look at what Jordan Reed did last year, he played in 13 games, which was impressive. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, only six games in double digits, but they had such poor QB play that we really couldn't invest in him uh, with any confidence. And it might be kind of the same thing this year. So I guess at the moment, I'm going to say all Redskins are out of bounds for me. It's a basically a wait and see approach. We'll have to watch and see if anyone's, you know, pounding the table during training camps to say, take me. But um, so yeah, we'll wrap up the, uh, the NFC East there. Take a look here at the NFC North. We'll start with the Chicago Bears. And the Bears are interesting because they're in year two of Matt Nagy. Um, they have uh, a bunch of weapons here that they like to use um, in different situations. So it might be kind of hard to predict how they're going to they're gonna be for fantasy purposes this year. Um, there might be a situation where you want to just take Mitch Trubisky and just get everything that he gets. Um, we'll start with Trubisky here. He was QB 15 last year, played with 22.7 points per game. He missed two games, really wasn't the... Uh, the same player as he was, you know, after the injury, but he went on a tear here for three weeks against Tampa Bay, Miami, and New England. <clears throat> so we're interested to see if he can take the next step uh, with year two of the Nagy system and potentially uh, be a fringe QB one. He he's probably going to be right at that twelve thirteen spot for me when I do my rankings. Um, nothing really to worry about here. This is Trubisky's team, so we'll we'll keep an eye on him and see if uh, there's more positive stories about his growth in year two um let's look at so they drafted uh, if we're looking at running backs here they with their first pick which was round three they drafted david montgomery out of iowa state uh, a lot of positive buzz about him being a um, really solid runner and a really good pass catcher as well they sent away jordan howard um and they they are trying to i guess disguise what they're doing on offense with David Montgomery because he's such a good pass catcher and maybe they were just tipping the hat away when they were putting Jordan Howard out there that, Hey, we're going to run the ball here. So Montgomery gives them a little more flexibility, what they're going to do for play calling. Um, but Tariq Cohen's still there. Uh, if we look at Cohen, Cohen was, I think he was, he might've been an RB one last year in PPR. Um, he averaged 14.7 points per game. He played, he's played the full 16 games in both, season so far um so that's really good to see 
But if we look here at where he finished among his peers, yeah, he was RB11 last year. So um, he's probably not going to be uh, close to an RB1 this year just with the addition of David Montgomery and Mike Davis from Seattle. But you could potentially get a really good flex player in PPR leagues. I think he's going off around round seven, round six now. Um, but all the attention is going to be on David Montgomery. I'm, I'm a big Mike Davis fan. Uh, Mike Davis can pass block really well. He's a great catcher. He's a great runner. So I'm not really sold that Montgomery's going to come right in and just beat Mike Davis for the job. I think we're looking at a three-headed monster here at running back here. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to. We'll really have to keep an eye on this in training camp and see who who is going to be listed as the starter before I get to, to make any decisions on this. Uh, looking at the receivers here, Allen Robinson's the unquestioned wide receiver one. And then they mix in a lot of ta Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. They signed Cordero Patterson. They drafted Riley Ridley, brother of Calvin Ridley. They also signed, signed a handful of receivers here. We got three new receivers undrafted. They also signed three tight ends undrafted. So... A lot of weapons here to take a look at. Um, outside of Allen Robinson, I don't know if we're going to trust anybody week to week. Uh, Robinson gives you a safe wide receiver three with upside each week. And I think he's going round seven, eight. And if we're thinking Trubisky's going to take the next step, uh, it might be a good idea to invest in his wide receiver one. Um, so I like Robinson and we'll monitor... I mean, Gabriel's more of a best ball player. Anthony Miller, I could see leading the team in receiving touchdowns. He's a big-bodied red zone guy that can play in the slot. So I like Miller. And then I'm also really interest, interested to see how Nagy's going to use Cordero Patterson. Um, so there's a lot to like here with this Bears receiving core. It might be a little unpredictable week to week, but I feel safest with Allen Robinson. Uh, tight ends, we got Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, and then they brought in a bunch of... Uh, free agent tight ends uh, undrafted. So <clears throat> with Trey Burton, uh, I believe he was a tight end one last year, but he was a bit inconsistent. So if we look here, Trey Burton, tight end eight, 54 catches, 569 yards, and six touchdowns. Let's look at his week to week. He played the full 16 games, but uh, mattingly inconsistent. Uh, he blew up against New England, but other than that, he doesn't really have much of a ceiling here. Um, and just with all the new weapons going on in Chicago, I don't know if if you draft Trey Burton as a tight end one, you're going to want to make sure you you draft another, uh, take another tight end and make sure you can buoy him um, and get yourself a nice tight end pair because I think some of these weeks you're really not going to know what you're going to get. You see here. 1.9 even a zero catch game um i just you know you don't want to have these goose eggs in your lineup each week but the upside's there so we'll monitor him and see how he's uh, looking this offseason as well second year in the system so uh, super excited about the bears offense and what they can do i think i'm most excited about watching trubisky so he might be the one guy that i highlight here and we'll just have to monitor these running backs um, so let's uh, let's take a look at the Detroit Lions. Uh, Matt Patricia, new offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, who revitalized Seattle's run game last year. So that to me already dictates that they're going to try to run the ball even more in Detroit this year. 
uh, Matt Stafford reports came out this week that he was playing with some, I don't know if it was discs in his back, but he basically was playing with a broken back last year, ever since week one. So that explains a lot of his um, <clears throat> drop in numbers from last year. But it's Stafford, Stafford's offense, they don't really have too many receiving weapons for him, but they did draft TJ Hawkinson, tight end, uh, round one, pick eight overall. So we're excited about that. Um, but I think the focus of this offense is going to be the running game going forward, especially with P- Patricia and Daryl Bevel. Um, Carrion Johnson did not play a full season last year, but he showed a lot of promising skills. Let's take a look here. Carrion uh, Johnson, he didn't finish anywhere very high because he was injured. See here, but he was RB33. He was averaging 14.1 points per game. If we filter that based on everything, that means he would have been, he would have finished as a top 20 running back last year. So he's, he's RB2 material. Um, showed some really nice skills in the receiving game. 32 catches, 200 yards, and a touchdown. Um, only two games below double digits. So, um, I mean, just based on last year, as a rookie coming in and learning new playbook and I mean, Matt Stafford was hurt, so the offense was it wasn't converting on third downs. It wasn't very efficient. Um, so I'm looking at the Lions as being a team that takes a step forward as an offense and even like doubles down on the run game this year. So uh, to me, carry on Johnson's an RB two that you can get on draft day with the upside of an RB one. So um, they did sign C.J. Anderson here, but um, super excited for. Carry on's upside. It sounds like Theo Riddick might even be let go. So if that happens, <clears throat> carry on Johnson in a PPR league. Uh, let's go. That sounds that sounds very <clears throat> very juicy. So um, keep an eye on Carry on Johnson. Uh, CJ Anderson's there. Theo Riddick. We talked about that. They they drafted running back Ty Johnson out of Maryland, who's more of a kick returner, punt returner, but he also has really nice receiving skills. He might be the reason why they let a guy like Theo Riddick go. So we're watching here the backups to see uh, if Riddick is let go or see how C.J. Anderson's looking. C.J. Anderson won some people some championships, some championships last year. So if anything happens to carry on Johnson, we're going to definitely be interested in C.J.A. So uh, looking at receivers, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones is back. They signed Danny Amendola. And then when they also signed Jermaine Curse a couple weeks ago, so that's interesting. Um, but after Galladay, Jones, Amendola, and Curse, a lot of question marks. They drafted a round six Travis Fulgham out of Old Dominion. I like him to make the team this year. So he's like a dynasty guy that you can keep an eye on. But um, outside of Galladay, Jones, and Amendola, I don't really know if we're going to be wanting to draft anybody outside of those guys. So Galladay gives you the upside of a solid wide receiver, too with upside of a wide receiver one. Let's take a look at how Galladay did last year. He was a bit inconsistent, but when you when you factor in Matt Stafford being with a broken back, it's like, geez, this might be Kenny Galladay's floor this year. Um, you know, consistently around 20 points at his highs. He's had some lows, but definitely a better best ball receiver. But, I don't know, 70 receptions, over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. That's, that's Kenny Galladay's floor. Really excited about Kenny Galladay. Um, the team's going to be more run-heavy this year, but you can still 
plug Kenny Galladay in as a wide receiver too. Definitely looks better as a wide receiver three, but um, but also Marvin Jones is there, and I don't know if he's going to eat into too much of Galladay's stats. But when Jones was healthy last year, he was he was playing pretty well himself. Um, so definitely keep an eye on Jones. We'll see how he's playing in camp. But Marvin Jones might be a really good value pick once you get into the double-digit rounds. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, first tight end off the board, a top 10 pick this year. Um, with Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, there's not uh, a good amount of history with him in tight ends. Um, Jimmy Graham was a tight end, a top five tight end for a few seasons. He had a couple other tight ends in his in his schemes that produced, but um, his tight ends block a lot. He doesn't really throw to them in the red zone as much. Jimmy Graham had the one lone year where that stuck out if you look at his old tight ends, but uh, Hawkinson's a fantastic dynasty pick and not really sure if we're going to want to use him for redraft this year. I think he's going to be blocking a lot in this Daryl Bevel offense, but uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on and uh, really excited for Detroit. Uh, it's a solid pick. So we'll wrap up there and we'll move on here to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, new coach Matt LaFleur, OC Nathaniel Hackett from Jacksonville. Rodgers is going to be healthy this year. He played basically with a busted knee last year. And when you think about that, he finished QB7 last year. So to me, he's locked for top three. <clears throat> you can even argue that he's going to be QB1 with some Mahomes regression built in. Um, but the real challenge is how is he going to react to the new offense? Um, there's going to be a little bit more emphasis on the running game this year with Lef with, with Lafleur in charge. Aaron Jones is expected to make the jump as the RB1. Jamal Williams is there. Dexter Williams is the draft pick that they had at around six. Um, and now Aaron Jones, uh, everyone kind of talks about how good he is with his yards per carry. We're probably going to see that decrease this year. But in just 12 games last year, Aaron Jones was RB23. And if we look here at his numbers, we'll filter by PPR. But the dude was putting up some touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns, or I guess nine touchdowns in 12 games last year. And this offense was just, it's just a shell of itself. It was not humming on all cylinders. And if we were expecting a bounce back here, uh, Aaron Jones was RB23. He's being drafted in the third round right now. He might be one of those guys that has RB1 upside, kind of like a carry-on Johnson. Now, there is some depth behind him. They like Jamal Williams for pass blocking. And then they did draft Dexter Williams, who kind of runs very similar to Aaron Jones. So super excited about Dexter Williams. You got to keep an eye on him in training camp and see if he is making any headway on Jamal Williams to, to you know beat him out for the RB2 job in the future. Um, so there's value in the Green Bay running game this year with Matt LaFleur. Um, so super excited about this position. Uh, looking at receivers here, of course, you got Devontae Adams. Geronimo Allison's healthy. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Year two, Jake Kumaro, Equinemius St. Brown, Jimon Moore. And then we got a bunch of guys here trying to make the team. Um, Adams is probably going to be a lock for top one, two, three receivers this year. The way they relied on him last year, he had 169 targets, 111 receptions, almost 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns. 
I mean, him and Rodgers just have that sixth sense together where Rodgers knows he can force the ball to him and he's going to come down with it no matter what. Um, I think Devontae Adams leads all receivers in touchdowns from the last three years. So if you have that fifth, sixth pick in, you know, the top four running backs have gone off the board, don't think twice about not taking Devontae Adams. Um, Geronimo Allison had himself a, a pretty nice start to last year. He's a wide receiver three for most weeks. And he's expected to be the wide receiver two this year. I think they're going to use him in the slot. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling also had success in the slot last year. and um, expect A lot of good reports, even Rodgers was saying uh, good things about Val- Valdez-Scantling this offseason. So definitely keep an eye on this Green Bay pecking order after Devontae Adams because Rodgers has been known to produce multiple fantasy receiving options. Um so if it's not Allison, it's not Valdez-Scantling, we're looking at Jake Kumro here, potentially being one of Rodgers' favorite guys, and he's also said a lot of good things about Kumro. Um, and then after that, we're looking at, I don't know, Trevor Davis, Alan Lazard. Uh, we'll see if anyone, any of these guys can make the team as the sixth or seventh receiver. Uh, looking at tight ends, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan. And then they drafted Jace Sternberger, round three. Super excited about Jace's potential uh, in the coming years with Aaron Rodgers. But Jimmy Graham's not going anywhere for this year. He's got one more year under contract. And, <clears throat> I mean, people people really underestimate Jimmy Graham. He still was a, a tight end one last year, 55 catches, 636 yards, and two touchdowns. He finished as the tight end 12 in PPR leagues. But only two touchdowns. I think I would put my money on that being greater than two this year. And Jimmy Graham's not going to be a top five tight end, but um, there is potential for him to be a top 10 tight end this year. So keep an eye on that. And then we'll keep an eye on uh, Lewis, Tanyan, and and especially Sternberger here to see how the future tight end. I think it's going to be Tanyan and Sternberger as the future of the tight ends here. So uh, definitely a lot of excitement here on this young team with, you know, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams, Allison. Scant- I mean, this is a, a stocked young roster uh, for the back nine of Rodgers' career. So, um, target Packer players, I guess. And let's take a look at the Vikings. <clears throat> uh, the Vikings are pretty straightforward. They got <clears throat> Mike Zimmer, uh, Kevin Stefanski, who stepped in as offensive coordinator last year. He's got the full-time job. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be a fringe key quarterback one. Dalvin Cook is healthy. They drafted Alexander Madison, uh, round three, pick 102. And they got Michael Boone, Amir Abdullah, Rock Thomas, and a free uh, undrafted guy here, Kerry Blossingame, uh, CJ Ham's fullback. But uh, super excited about Dalvin Cook and his potential. Last year when Stefanski took over, we saw an increased usage of the running backs. Um, if we look here, where was Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook, where are you? Dalvin Cook was RB30 last year. Now they did use Latavius Murray, so that is kind of why he's so low. But Dalvin Cook, 4.6 yards per carry. He caught 40 balls. Uh, he only scored four, four touchdowns. But if we look here at the end of the year, Dalvin Cook runs on six straight double-digit games. Uh, only two games 
in the season where he was below double digits, I believe he got hurt in both of these games. <clears throat> so um, I think Dalvin Cook is going round two right now. He might be one of the last true RB1 candidates uh, in the round two. And just with the more concentration on running the ball, I think the Vikings um, are going to really lean on Dalvin Cook this year. So I really, really like Dalvin Cook round two. Uh, we're keeping an eye on Madison to see if he's the true number two backup there out of Boise State. Uh, very, very similar to Dalvin Cook. Um, so I'm excited about him. If anything happens to Cook, we're going to want to make sure we get Madison on the waiver wire. Looking at receivers, you got Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Laquan Treadwell. And then apparently there's been some competition to beat out Laquan Treadwell as the wide receiver three. And that's been between Chad Beebe and Jordan Taylor. Now, I mean, Thielen and Diggs are both locked into, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver one upside this year. You can have them round three. Um, but the Vikings run a lot of three wide receiver sets. And if it's not Treadwell, we got to keep an eye on Jordan Taylor and Chad Beebe to see who else is going to be on the field a lot and potentially get a lot of snaps with the starters. So, um, they did draft two receivers late, Dylan Mitchell, Ola B.C. Johnson, and then they brought in a handful of receivers, uh, undrafted guys. So they're 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 trying to add more weapons for Kirk. So keep an eye on all these uh, these young guys trying to make the team. Tight ends, they have Kyle Rudolph, who they just re-signed, and they drafted Herb Smith Jr. out of Alabama round two, and then David Morgan, Tyler Conklin are there, but with Kyle Rudolph uh, signing a contract to stay. We're potentially looking at um, it's probably more of like a one-year deal for Rudolph here. But Kirk Cousins last year with Kyle Rudolph. Let's take a look here. Rudolph was tight end number seven. So 81 targets, 64 yards, 600 and. Uh, 634 yards in four touchdowns. So nothing super like eye popping, I guess, to be tight end seven. He had he had a miserable middle of the season, um, and really just only one game where he blew up for you know 33 points here at the end of the season. Uh, but with the addition of Irv Smith, I feel like Kyle Rudolph's numbers are. are due to go down a little bit. They might run some more two tight end sets this year, but um, you can definitely expect Herb Smith to be uh, integrated into this offense to see what he can bring to the table. So I really don't know if we can trust either one to be a tight end one for us this year, but definitely keep an eye on Herb Smith and see how he's doing. Um, so overall, though, the Vikings, uh, I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more this year. We didn't look at Kirk Cousins' stats, so we'll look at that real quick. But, um, I mean, Kirk's been pretty consistent throughout his career. He's going to get you 22 points per game. No games below double digits. Uh, just a couple games where he flirted with the 11s and 12s. But, I mean, yeah, if you want to wait on quarterback, uh, Kirk Cousins will get you a fringe quarterback one season. And last year he finished... Kirk Cousins was QB nine last year, so I mean you could wait till round ten and you can land Kirk Cousins. 
Uh, even though they're going to run the ball a little bit more this year, you're still looking at a top 15 finish. So he's kind of in that tier for me with guys like Dak Prescott, guys like Trubisky, um, I guess even Derek Carr, but <clears throat> super excited about the Vikings offense. Um, so yeah, we'll wrap up here. We'll finish the NFC North and we will start the NFC South. So looking at the Atlanta Falcons, we see they have a new offensive coordinator here in Dirk Cutter, who was with the team previously and had some success with Matt Ryan. We're going to start with Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan's coming off of a quarterback three finish last year. That defense was depleted. Devonta Freeman was hurt, so they had to rely on the pass a little bit more than they wanted to. So I don't think it's fair to expect Matt Ryan to be top three again. But he's going to flirt with, you know, top five, you know, five, six, seven. He's going to be in that range for us. Um, so I love Matt Ryan. If you want to draft a QB early, he's a target you can have, you know, in the seventh round or so. Um, Devonta Freeman is back. He is a very interesting round three conundrum. So here, let's take a look here. I should have clicked on Atlanta. Before his injury last year, Freeman played 14 games in 2017. We filter here by PPR. We'll look at these numbers. Um, he put up some some pretty nice weeks in 2017, but he had you know a couple games where he got hurt. Um, but otherwise, he played at an RB1 level. So if we can expect Freeman to come back and play 14 to 16 games, you're looking at, you know, a fringe RB1. Um, he's only 27 years old, so there's a lot of upside here with him round three. And just with the defense getting better, and, and now Tevin Coleman's gone, so there's <clears throat> potentially more on the plate <clears throat> for Devonta Freeman this year. So round three, super interesting guy. You can lock him in as RB2 with RB1 upside. Backups are Ido Smith. They signed Kenyon Barner. They drafted Quadri Allison, and they got a couple other guys here. But all eyes will be on Freeman, as, and if he can stay healthy, Freeman's going to deliver you know, a potential top 12 season this year. So excited about Freeman. Good to see him back and healthy. But again, just monitor what's going on in training camp. Um, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, these have been the top three guys for... For Matt Ryan, last year was a pretty successful year for this passing game with the defense and injury to Freeman. But if we look here, filtered by PPR, Julio Jones had himself a wide receiver two season, uh, almost a career year for Julio. He had 113 receptions, uh, almost 1,700 yards and eight touchdowns, um, 170 targets. Just a monster year for for Julio. Only really one bad game during all season. So you can get Julio at the end of the first round, even beginning of the second. So um, draft him if you can. Calvin, All eyes are going to be on Calvin Ridley looking at this receiving core. Um, Calvin Ridley tore it up at the beginning of the year last year. Caught six touchdowns in the first four games, but then he really cooled down with the touchdowns. Um, he might be more of a best ball guy. I don't know if he's going to be super uh, consistent week to week, but super excited to see Calvin Ridley round, uh, year two. 
and see what he can build upon. He had 820 yards last year, 64 catches, and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, I would assume the touchdowns are going to come down, but uh, Ridley might be flirting with a 1,000-yard season this year. Uh, he's going around five right now. To me, he's more of a best ball pick. I just don't know if he's going to be consistent with the target hog that Julio Jones is. And then just the presence of Mohamed Sanu. Sanu is actually a really underrated receiver, uh, as you can see here. Um, <clears throat> Sanu himself had more receptions, more yards, and just less touchdowns last year. So they used Ridley and Sanu basically the same volume. Um, so Sanu becomes interesting in best ball leagues. He had he had a lot of double-digit games last year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine games out of 16 last year, double digits for Sanu. He's basically free in best ball leagues. So if I don't get Julio, I don't get Freeman, I don't get Matt Ryan. Um, I'm tending not to buy Kelvin Ridley round five, and I just take Mohamed Sanu real late because he's just the last piece of this offense. So, um, And then after these receivers here, they, they drafted Marcus Green round six, and they brought in a handful of wide receivers here to compete. So they're looking for a young receiver to step up and potentially become their four or five option and maybe replace Sanu down the road. So keep an eye on this receiver battle. Uh, we'll look at tight ends here. Austin Hooper, Luke Stocker, Eric Saubert. Um, they didn't bring any tight ends in this offseason, so they got a, a veteran group of, of tight ends here. Um, looking at Austin Hooper, Hooper had himself a career year last year. 71 catches, 660 yards, and four touchdowns, uh, setting career highs in all of his stats. Um, he was super inconsistent, but on a PPR standpoint, um, he had a few games that stick out. Uh, a couple double-digit target games. And Hooper, for redraft purposes, I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable starting Hooper every week because you're going to get some, you're going to get some, some two, three-point games, and then the next week you're going to probably bench him and he'll go off for 16 or something. So Hooper to me is more of a best ball player where you just get his best weeks and call it a day. Um, but this offense is going to be focused on Julio <clears throat> and Devonta Freeman. So make those guys your targets for Falcons. Um, so yeah, that about wraps up Atlanta. And we'll move on here to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Cam Newton is healthy. His shoulder surgery in the offseason. And he's already been throwing the ball, which is a very good sign. So we'll just have to make sure Cam is continuing these positive stories uh, in July and August before we, you know, plant our flag on Cam Newton being a top five QB potentially again. But um, we all know that's his upside. He hasn't been running the ball uh, the last couple of years like he did to start the, the his career. But Cam Newton is definitely one of those guys that uh, every week you, you have him in your lineup, he could go off for 30 plus points. So keep an eye on Cam Newton. We'll see how he is looking with the pads on. Um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, consensus top four pick this year, uh, super, super talented in PPR leagues, uh, not really any depth behind him. So you'll like that with your, you know, with your top four pick. Um, there has been rumors that they want to scale his workload back a little bit to keep him fresh. And that makes sense. Um, 
but his receiving usage is still going to be so high that he's, you know, he's going to be double digits every week. So don't really think twice about passing on McCaffrey. After him, we got Cameron Artis Payne. And then they drafted rookie running back here, Jordan Scarlett out of Florida, round five. And then they brought in undrafted Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia. So super excited about the running backfield battle behind McCaffrey. We'll keep our eyes here on these on these rookies and see if they can beat out Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, receivers, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Jarius Wright. They brought in Chris Hogan, and they still have Torrey Smith. Uh, after that, they got a bunch of guys trying to make the team, but they did draft round seven out of Georgia, Terry Godwin. Um, so we'll keep an eye on uh, Terry Godwin to see if he makes the team as the sixth receiver. But uh, the, the receivers at the top here are DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Both those guys um, could be used as wide receiver twos or threes at some point this year. Uh, a lot of people like DJ Moore to step forward and be the go-to PPR, you know, uh, utility receiver, which makes sense. But I would advise that uh, Curtis Samuel is not so far behind DJ Moore himself. Um, if you look at Curtis Samuel last year, he showed some consistency towards the end of the year. Uh, he doesn't have a massive ceiling. He didn't score any uh, games over 20 points, but he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight games out of 12, he was in double digits. So I really like Curtis Samuel as a best ball pick in potential uh, wide receiver three. He's only 22. He turns 23 in August. So especially in dynasty leagues, I, I think Curtis Samuel might be a guy to keep an eye on because um, a lot of attention is going to be on McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And uh, Curtis Samuel showed some nice things last year. So keep an eye on him. After DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, you're probably not going to want to invest in any of these receivers. Um but if we look at tight ends here, Greg Olson's back. Ian Thomas had himself a really nice year when uh, Greg Olson was away. But if we look here at Greg Olson's numbers, Olson's been dinged up for two years now. I kind of have him on my do not draft list. He's 34 years old. Um, <clears throat> I just don't really want to spend, you know, like a 10th, 11th, 12th round pick on a guy that, you know, he just hasn't been healthy the last two years, and he's 34 years old. So only two games over double digits last year. If we look at what Ian Thomas did on the season, Thomas started catching on towards the end of the year. <clears throat> so I really like Ian Thomas um, in Dynasty Leagues as being, you know, the, the starting tight end here in the future. Um, so not really sure I'm drafting any Carolina tight ends in redraft leagues. It's going to be more... Uh, based around McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and then Cam Newton, of course. So uh, that'll wrap up the Carolina Panthers, and we'll move on here to the Saints. We're going to make the Saints quick here. Uh, Drew Brees at the top, 40 years old. Um, <sighs> he's got a really short window to win a championship here. He was QB8 last year. He saw his lowest yardage total since 2005 his last year i guess his 2004 it was his second to last year with san diego that year but easily his lowest yardage output with the saints um still threw 32 touchdowns and he ran for four touchdowns but um uh, the lack of receiving weapons kind of caught up with the saints and drew Brees' passing stats um 
So I'm interested in Drew Brees, but um, you probably have to get him around eight or nine. And I just don't know if I'm willing to bet on, I mean, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer, but he's also 40 years old this year. And I can wait, you know, a few more rounds later and wind up with a Dak Prescott, a Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I'm kind of just have my hands off of Brees at the moment. Um, if you're going to draft a New Orleans Saints, you're going to want Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Um, just keep it simple and just take one of those two players that the offense runs through. Now, Alvin Kamara is a consensus top four pick this year, but they did let Mark Ingram go and they signed Latavius Murray. And Mark Ingram was a very consistent piece of the offense when he was in there. So I'm expecting Latavius Murray to maybe not get all of that Mark Ingram work, but he has a, he has a pretty good shot to basically just come in here and get the Mark Ingram load. And Mark Ingram <clears throat> was, you know, a fringe RB1, even with Kamara doing what he does. So um, I'm super interested in Latavius Murray uh, around like seven and eight, if he's still lingering. He's a potential flex guy that can be an RB2 for you. Um, and just with, my, with Alvin Kamara's... Uh, slight frame and this team thinking you know we have 40 year old drew Brees here you know they want to win the super bowl so i think they got to keep kamara fresh which means we might see a lot more of latavius murray this year than people think um so interesting but this you know the running game is going to be kamara latavius murray and they brought in a bunch of guys here javorius allen Dwayne washington they drafted divine azigbo or undrafted divine azigbo so keep an eye on Latavius Murray. Uh, potential for an RB2 season coming up. Um, <clears throat> wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn, Keith Kirkwood, Cameron Meredith, Rashard Matthews. Um, the receivers last year were very young and inexperienced. Uh, besides Michael Thomas, Drew Brees really wasn't throwing to much of these guys. Uh, Traquan Smith had spurts, Ted Ginn had spurts, Keith Kirkwood had spurts, but nobody was very consistent. Um, they brought in the veteran <clears throat> Richard Matthews, who's interesting. Uh, Cameron Meredith is another year healthy, so we'll keep an eye on him. But outside of Michael Thomas, um, none of these guys are screaming draft me at the moment. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on this in training camp to see who's looking like the starter or the number two receiver. But uh, with the signing of Jared Cook here, I'm more tempted to, to just draft Jared Cook round six or seven and kind of just ignore the rest of the receiving offense here. Um, definitely excited about um, some of these guys, though. Emmanuel Butler, uh, undrafted out of Northern Arizona. Little Jordan Humphrey out of Texas. <clears throat> um, so keep an eye on the receiving uh, depth of battle here. But again, it's Michael Thomas at the top and not really much consistency beyond that. Um, Traquan Smith's more of a best ball dart. Um, and yeah, I think I'd rather invest in Jared Cook over one of these other guys. Um, and Cook's coming off the career year with Oakland. And uh, early word is that he's got already got a huge amount of chemistry with, with Drew Brees. And yeah, I don't know. Jared Cook, it, it makes a lot of sense here to target uh, Jared Cook round seven or eight coming off a career year with Drew Brees, who's had a lot of success with tight ends in the past. Um, but yeah, this offense is 
Definitely going to be juicy. You got to get Kamara if you get a top four pick. Uh, Thomas is a round one pick. And Latavius Murray is a sleeper. So keep an eye on that. Um, we'll wrap that up and we'll go here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <clears throat> New coach Bruce Arians, offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Jameis Winston doesn't have any competition behind him. They did sign Blaine Gabbert, but it's Blaine Gabbert. So Winston gets potentially a full 16-game season. If we look at what Winston did last year, Winston finished quarterback 21, averaging 23.6 points per game. That would have been good for QB 9. So Jameis Winston is potentially QB 1. If you look at his numbers here, Last year, in 11 games, only one game below double digits. Everything else, he had a 12-point game in there too, but everything else was 19 points and up. He hit 38 points one week. He hit 35 points the other week. Uh, there's a 29.8 in there. So I'm, I'm really excited about Winston as a potential late uh, QB1 that you can get. He's I guess Winston's in that tier for me with uh, Dak Prescott and Mitchell Trubisky. You know, guys that are going outside of the, the top 12, but should be finishing inside the top 12. So excited about Winston. Running backs are Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. I don't really care too much about the rest of the depth here. They did sign uh, undrafted Bruce Anderson out of North Dakota State. So I guess if you're looking outside of Barber and Jones, keep an eye on Bruce Anderson. Um, but just with Tampa Bay's defense not being exactly... I mean, it's going to be a little better than last year, but it's still going to be one of the bottom teams uh, defensive-wise. So I don't really know how how run-heavy the Bucks are going to be with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Um, Winston and all the coaches over there have been talking up Ronald Jones. So he's definitely an interesting prospect, but he's still more of a dynasty prospect for me, where I, just, I see this team being pass-heavy again, and this offense running through Winston, Evans, Godwin, O.J. Howard. So... That brings us to the receivers. You got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad Perriman, who they signed from Cleveland. Uh, Justin Watson is a year two receiver. And they drafted wide receiver Scott Miller out of Bowling Green. He's basically like an Adam Humphreys mold. And they're gonna, you know, see if he can uh, help the team out in the slot. And then they have they have a handful, they, they got five undrafted receivers here. So Tampa Bay is very top heavy with Evans and Godwin. Um if Perriman can stay healthy, he's going to be on the field a lot. But I do also like Justin Watson as the wide receiver four. And then we're really going to have to watch uh, Scott Miller and the five undrafted wide receivers to see how that shakes out. But um, target Evans, round two. Target Godwin, the end of round four, round five. Um, Bruce Arians has already said, uh, maybe earlier in the spring, he said Godwin's a 100-catch player. And then he doubled down on that a couple of weeks ago and said he's not pulling those words back. That Godwin's a hundred yard or hundred uh, catch receiver. So uh, super excited about Evans and Godwin in PPR leagues. Um, for tight ends, OJ Howard is the top guy with Cameron Brait. And then they have four other uh, backup tight ends here. They signed Jordan Leggett off of the Jets, but the attention's on OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. Uh, when Howard was healthy last year, he was a top five tight end. And the trick is just staying healthy with Howard. Um, now, if you miss on Evans or Godwin, but you still want a piece of this passing offense, and um, 
you're sitting there around six or something and OJ Howard's available, Howard brings you top five tight end upside here. Now, Winston's always kind of had a thing for Cameron Brait, but it's only a matter of time before OJ Howard starts to just clearly separate himself and Winston's like, this is my guy. So super excited about Tampa Bay's offense because the combination of the poor defense typically yields awesome fantasy numbers. So uh, target Evans, Godwin, and Winston, and then OJ Howard. So that'll complete the NFC South. And we will move on to the NFC West. So here we have the Arizona Cardinals. New head coach Cliff Kingsbury, who also serves as the offensive coordinator. That's not the only team to not have an offensive coordinator, but it's truly interesting. Uh, They drafted Kyler Murray here with the first pick overall, and then they drafted heavily offense this year. Uh, You see round two, Andy Isabella. Round four, Hakeem Butler. Round six, Keyshawn Johnson. And then some offensive linemen here, and then finishing off with the tight end, Caleb Wilson out of UCLA. Now, the Cardinals are a super interesting team this year because there's so much unknown, and there's a lot of talent on this roster. Uh, David Johnson is back after kind of a waste of a year, but he still finishes a a running back one. So uh, David Johnson becomes a super interesting first-round pick because uh, with so much going wrong last year and he still finishes a running back one, I mean, that says tremendous things about um, his abilities and just with more talent at the quarterback position I think we're going to see David Johnson potentially be he has a shot to finish as the running back one this year just with the way Cliff Kingsbury is going to spread the offense out throw the ball a ton David Johnson's one he might be one of the best receiving running backs in the league so super underrated Excited about Johnson, but if we go back to Murray here, Murray has a tremendous unknown upside. Um, He was a great passer, tremendous rusher in college. Um, Murray's going to have a huge rushing floor to his stats. Probably going to run for a handful of touchdowns. Um, I'm probably going to put Kyler Murray in that uh, tier of quarterbacks outside of the top 12 where we don't really know what we're getting, but the potential is there for a QB1 season. Um, yeah, just with the rushing stats, it's going to kind of be like Lamar Jackson of last year, but with way better passing stats. So, I mean, Murray might have a floor of 20 points every week, and it's not going to surprise me if he finishes the top five QB. So super excited right there. Love David Johnson. He could be the, uh, he could be the fifth pick of the draft, you know, fifth running back off the board. I'm not going to argue if you want to take David Johnson over, uh, like Alvin Kamara, um, I think that's actually a pretty good question. But outside of David Johnson, they got Chase Edmonds, TJ Logan, DJ Foster. Not really worried about any of these guys. Something happens to David Johnson, it's Chase Edmonds, but we'll worry about that if we have to. Uh, at receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella. And then after that, we got Chad Williams. Um, they did sign Kevin White. Um, and we'll see if Keyshawn Johnson can make the team. They spent a six-round pick on him, so I would expect him to. But you're really looking here at Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Um, Larry's going to be in the slot, but Christian Kirk has had the best offseason of all the receivers so far. Uh, That's what the early reports have said, and um, 
Christian Kirk, I think, really, really fits into what Kingsbury wants to do. He's a very versatile receiver. He runs a full route tree. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's getting up there in age. He can still ball, but um, I just think they're going to be a little more creative with Christian Kirk, and Murray's the type of quarterback that can really um, maximize Kirk uh, to his full potential. Um, so I might rank Christian Kirk as the highest Cardinals receiver here for fantasy this year. Um, super excited about Akeem Butler and Andy Isabella. Not really sure how we're going to use them for fantasy this season, um, but Akeem Butler brings them a 6'5 uh, monster target. I believe he is Kyler Murray's roommate right now, so that's really good signs for dynasty purposes. Um, those two are friends, and Murray said he's never had a receiver that big to throw the ball to, so that's you know super fun for him. Um, and then Andy Isabella brings um, he brings a, a slot mentality to the offense, but he also can stretch the field and go vertical. Um, but if I had to put my money on a receiver for this year, it's going to be Christian Kirk, and we'll just keep an eye on these rookies here uh, for dynasty purposes. Uh, for tight ends, Ricky Seals-Jones is there. They signed Charles Clay and Max Williams and drafted Caleb Wilson. Um, I like Ricky Seals-Jones as a potential like late round best ball dart, but I don't know if the offense is going to feature tight ends as much as, you know, the receivers and David Johnson. So um, I'm interested, but I got to see more before uh, I, I buy anything. So um, super excited about Arizona Cardinals. And I think Kyler Murray is going to be on a lot of my teams this year. Uh, let's look at the Rams and this is a whole nother animal. Um, I mean, Jared Goff, let's see what he did last year. Jared Goff was quarterback six, and this is without Cooper Cup for, you know, half the year. Uh, three for 32 touchdowns, almost 4,700 yards. Um, super consistent, high upside games here in the 30s and the 40s. Um, super interested in Jared Goff. You can probably get him, you know, Round 10, 11, and he's going to be a fringe, you know, he's going to be a fringe QB1 on the draft board, but he should be a top 10 quarterback this year. So, um, Goff would probably be at the top of my list of um, quarterbacks once it gets, you know, after the top, you know, six, seven, eight picks. Um, they signed Blake Bortles, but that's whatever. Um, the real question with the Rams this year is going to be Todd Gurley and how are they going to use him knowing that he has. Uh, a knee condition that uh, I guess it's like an arthritis in his knee and they don't want to get that acted up. So uh, expecting Todd Gurley to still get his touches, but they're going to really start to sprinkle in uh, Daryl Henderson, who they drafted in the third round out of Memphis. Um, they've been reporting that they want to use Henderson similar to uh, the Saints and how they used Alvin Kamara his rookie year. So Gurley would still... If that's the case, Gurley still acts as Mark Ingram and could potentially be a top 15 running back. So don't let Gurley fall too far. I think round three is super nice right now for Gurley. And uh, Henderson's going as early as round six right now. And super interested in, in Henderson in, in redraft or dynasty leagues because we just don't know how long Todd Gurley is going to be able to um, – keep getting the bulk of the carries here. Um, but I would I would totally expect Henderson to be uh, a PPR flex worthy for us at parts this year. 
And if anything does happen to Gurley, Malcolm Brown's going to get uh, some touches as well. So um, I guess this is just a stay tuned situation. So we don't know what's going to happen, but there's a lot of fantasy points to be had here. So uh, we'll look at receivers. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Outside of the top three, you just really want to – I mean, Josh Reynolds is really the only one that you need to know about. Um, but Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are all around four targets right now. I'd probably rank them as uh, I have them listed. Um, all of them are going to be wide receiver twos with, uh, you know, some RB or wide receiver one weeks this year. Um so I love all three of these weapons here. And if you don't want to mess with the running back situation here, just target one of these guys uh, round four and get yourself a piece of the Rams offense. Um, tight ends, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. Not really excited for these guys for redraft leagues. Um, it's going to take one of these guys being injured or uh, traded or something for one of them to become fantasy relevant in this offense. But um, I like both their games, but just not for a redraft this year. So, um, so yeah, Rams are going to um, be expected to spread the wealth at running back this year and still lean on that, that three-headed receiving attack. So um, make sure you target a Ram. All right, we'll move on to the 49ers here. Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully for a full season. They signed Tevin Coleman. They have Jarek McKinnon still there, Matt Breida is still there, and then they drafted uh, wide receiver Debo Samuel, round two, pick 36. They also drafted wide receiver Jalen Hurd, round 367. Um, drafted a tight end, Caden Smith, out of Stanford, round six, and then an offensive tackle, round six. So um, infusing the offense with some young, some young weapons here. Um, we're going to start with... Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo's ceiling is unknown, and Garoppolo's going to be, again, in that tier of quarterbacks that could be a, a quarterback one. Um, and I probably want to pair him with another quarterback, but uh, you just don't know what you're going to get quite yet. But uh, if, if he plays a full 16 games, he's going to flirt with the top 12 season. So, um, But this offense is going to run through the running backs. And we don't really know how they're going to use everybody here. But Tevin Coleman has had success with Kyle Shanahan in the past. And I would assume he has uh, Kyle Shanahan's trust the most out of these running backs. And um, I think Tevin Coleman's going around seven right now. And I think, I think Coleman, people are kind of sleeping in how productive this backfield can be just because of uh, how things went last year with with uh, injuries across the board in San Francisco. But uh, I think Coleman can put up an RB2 season, and he's kind of growing on me as um, Kyle Shanahan is looking to kind of right the ship here and get on uh, some winning ways before uh, anything bad happens and the team lets him go. But uh, McKinnon's still there. Breida's still there. Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert's a good running back. But... Um, if I had to pick one to lead the, the group, it'd be Tevin Coleman. Um, wide receivers, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Jordan Matthews, Jalen Hurd, even Trent Taylor. Um, super talented uh, receiver room here. It sounds like Pettis is going to be the wide receiver one. 
he really got better as the season went on last year. He's going to be the starting outside receiver. Debo Samuel in the slot and Marquise Goodwin as the other outside receiver probably to um, help stretch the field. I really don't know if you're going to want Samuel or Goodwin for redraft. Those are more best ball kind of guys for me this year. But uh, if you're going to draft a 49ers receiver, make it Dante Pettis, you know, in the eighth or ninth round. Um, he got bigger this offseason and Wes Welker's the receiver coach. And there's been a lot of good reports of Pettis so far throughout camp. Um, but if you, if you really wanted to get a piece of the 49ers, you're going to want to just make sure you get George Kittle uh, in the third round. Um, I'm not really sure if Garoppolo has much of a connection with him yet. Um, but Kittle set the record for receiving yards for a tight end last year. He's a tremendous blocker. He can stretch the defense. Um, just a phenomenal tight end. So uh, if you want to get a tight end early, target Kittle round three, probably the early parts of round three. So, um, yeah, super excited about the 49ers offense. A lot of unknowns here. Um, but there will be fantasy points to had to be had here, especially if uh, Garoppolo plays the full 16. So uh, keep an eye on um, all the drum beats in training camp for the running backs and keep an eye out for uh, Dante Pettis and see if he can develop into a potential you know wide receiver two, three for us this year. And we'll finish here with Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we got Russell Wilson. At the top, running backs Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, uh, receivers Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, who they drafted in the round two, pick 64, David Moore, Jerron Brown, and then tight ends Nick Manette and Will Disley. Um, Daryl Bevel's gone, and he helped them reestablish the running game here. Now Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are... At the top of the depth chart, uh, Mike Davis was there last year, so this just puts more uh, potential in both of these guys. Um, Chris Carson's had trouble staying healthy. Um, so you have to expend like a fourth or fifth round pick on Carson. I think Penny's going round seven, round eight. I, had to ch I, I tend to do this thing where if I'm looking at two guys, I usually just go with the one that's the, the cheaper option. So Rashad Penny's been winding up on a lot of my teams as you know my seventh or eighth pick. Um, but I'm not going to, I mean, I love Chris Carson. Chris Carson had a phenomenal uh, season last year. If we look here at PPR, we'll see Chris Carson finished as RB 15 thousand yard season, nine touchdowns. Fantastic. Um, it really ended the year strong here on a consistent run of double digit games. Um, but I believe Carson has been missing some practices. I'm not sure what it was, but. Um, Rashad Penny is super talented though so um, I think they're going to last year they were, they split this up between three running backs now it's just between Penny and Carson and if anything happens to Carson I think Penny's going to just blow people away with how good he is so um, super interested in both of these guys probably more interested in Penny because he's cheaper um, wide receivers Doug Baldwin's gone Tyler Lockett steps into the slot they drafted DK Metcalf so that we're going to see Metcalf and David Moore on the outside, Lockett on the inside. Um, Lockett put in a, a top 24 season last year, and he's being drafted <clears throat> in the fifth round right now. He is easily a wide receiver three with upside as a strong wide receiver two in the slot. Um, Metcalf is going to be super boom bust, but 
is a better best ball pick than a redraft, but it's not going to surprise me if Metcalf leads the team in receiving touchdowns this year. Um, even David Moore could end up leading the team in receiving touchdowns. So <clears throat> I love Lockett for redraft, um, but I would say Metcalf and David Moore are more best ball picks. Uh, this offense is still going to run through the running game, though. So I love Lockett, but uh, some of the secondary receivers are going to be not as trustworthy week to week. Um, there have been reports of Jerron Brown having a really strong camp, so keep an eye on uh, who's going to be starting with Tyler Lockett to start the year. Uh, tight ends Nick Bennett and Will Disley, not really sure any of them sticks out more than the other. They're probably going to get, it's kind of like a Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby situation, where one of them would need to be injured for us to be interested in them. Um, so if you're going to target a Seahawk, um, you can make it Russell Wilson, but just with Doug Baldwin being gone and uh, the focus on the running game, I think I'm going to pass on Wilson this year and target uh, Chris Carson or Rashad Penny and Tyler Lockett. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's exit out of here, and that will wrap up the AFC or the NFC show today. If you had not checked out the AFC preview. Uh, go back and check that out if you did. Awesome. Thank you. Tell your friends. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the fellow KGB. Um, I have a couple guests lined up next week. I'm going to be hanging out with my friend Josh and uh, a good friend Jesse. We're going to be doing a mock draft with Josh, and I'm unsure what we're going to be talking about with Jesse, but uh, good things are coming next week. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you for watching. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on all streaming services. So have a good one. Thank you.